So grateful for those who have served. Um, both my, I think my, my mom's dad served, I know for sure. My dad served, my sister has served. In fact, she retired from, from the military, but um, thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Today I want to talk about being the church. Being the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 9, it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, Peter is writing this to Christians. He's writing this to believers. And there's probably a mixture of Jewish believers. There's probably, you know, Greek believers in there as well. So that would, you know, that would include us. You know, especially the Greek believers, they were not the people of God. The Jews were the people of God. But when the Greeks accepted Christ as their Savior, they became a part of the family or the people of God. Now, these two verses in 1 Peter chapter 2, they use different words or phrases to describe those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. A chosen people. We, we find this two times, once here and also in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. A royal priesthood is only used here in 1 Peter. A holy nation, again, is only used here in 1 Peter. God's special possession, again, only used here in 1 Peter. And then the people of God, that is used five different times in the New Testament. However, there was one word that is used Ten times as many as all of these combined to describe the people of God. And that word is church. The church. In fact, uh, again, it is used over ten times as often as all these five phrases together. The church in the, in the New International Version, the NIV, is used 114 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. Now, I'm not going to list all of them here, but I, I do want to highlight just a couple of them. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says that he will build his church. And then in Matthew 18, verse 17, Jesus says that if there is sin in the church, where one member sins against another, there are guidelines on how to bring that fellow member back into membership, back into the church. In 20 places throughout the book of Acts, it talks about the church. 22 places in 1 Corinthians, 9 places in 2 Corinthians, and 19 different times in the book of Revelation, it talks about the church. Do you think the church is important to God? I would say so. In each of these instances in the New Testament, and many more, when the word church is translated, it can really be translated in three different ways. Three different ways. 
The first is a congregation. A congregation would be an individual assembly of Christians, usually with the leaders, excuse me, usually with leaders who conform to a standard and have worship practices with members interacting with one another, and in, more or less it is a local body of believers, okay? Secondly, we have the church, just the totality of the church in the world. And then thirdly, we have what's called an assembly, which is simply a gathering of persons for a purpose. That last word is very important. Did you know that the word church does not appear anywhere in the Old Testament? It's not there. Because the church really did not come into being until Christ came and died and rose again. Now, sometimes the word assembly is used in the Old Testament, but it's used in different ways, different connotations, different meanings than the word church in the New Testament. Also, please note that at no time does the word church refer to a building. Every time you see the word church in the New Testament, it is not talking about a building, it's not talking about a location. It is always referring to a group of individuals. It's always referring to people. It also does not simply refer to meetings or services like, I'm going to church, or will you come to church with me? Again, these are not a part of what we see in the New Testament. Now, of course, over the centuries, you know, buildings have been built, cathedrals, whatever, and so that word church has taken on some different meanings for us. So it's not wrong to say, hey, I'm going to church or to the church, or will you come to church with me? It's not wrong to say those things. But if we forget, if you and I forget that we are the church, that's a problem for us. We are the church, not, not this building, not this location. You and I are the church. So looking at these three meanings again of church, this church, this particular body of believers fulfills each of them in different ways. So first of all, we, again, we are a congregation, an individual congregation of Christians, of believers in Christ. Now, part of this definition includes having leaders who conform to a standard. This is important. Leaders can include anyone who has any type of oversight or leadership uh, over groups or ministries. We also have what we call a constitution and bylaws that gives us a standard to lead by. And we need standards so that leaders know what is expected of them, not only by God, but also by those who have leadership over them. Now, I know this is really riveting stuff, isn't it? The constitution, bylaws, and things like that. But it's important. We need standards, we need guidelines. If we are going to function as a congregation, we need these things. Now, another part of being a congregation is having worship practices. All this means that we, is that we do things to practice our faith, that we practice uh, following Christ. Now, these are things as simple as reading the Bible, preaching the Bible, teaching the Bible, taking communion together, baptizing people in water like we're going to do next Sunday. Those, these are all practices of the church. 
If we don't do them, are we being the church? Do we share our faith with others? That is another practice of our faith. Again, these are all worship practices, and, and many of them happen in worship service just like we're, we're doing today, this morning. We sing songs, we pray together, we pray, for indi- we pray individually, we pray for one another. Sometimes our worship practices happen outside of these four walls because, again, the church is not this building. The church is us. Wherever we are, we are the church. We are not confined to this location. Another part of being a congregation is having members that interact with one another. Yes, this happens here in the building. It happens on Sundays and Wednesdays and maybe other days of the week, but it also happens other places throughout the week. It can happen in homes, in Bible studies. It can happen in, in life groups. It happens in, in different like church softball and church league basketball. These are all groups of where we can interact with one another. The last part of being a congregation is that we are more or less local. Most of us live here in Aberdeen or the surrounding areas. Some people come from even more than 30 miles away. But for the most part, we are a local congregation. We are a local church. I must also say this. There are some in our world today who would say that we should only practice our faith within these four walls. There are some who say we should only practice our faith in our homes. That practicing our faith should be left to these different locations, that we should not practice our faith outside of them. In other words, they would say that we should not allow our faith to interfere with our workplace, our schools, our politics or other public forums. Let me just say this. That is absolutely wrong. It is absolutely wrong. Our faith does not interfere with who we are, does it? Our faith informs us. It influences us. Wherever we are, whether we're in school, at the job, wherever you are, your faith should be influencing you. It should be instructing you on how to live. Please hear me. Your faith, my faith, should influence everything that you and I do. Everything. Our jobs, our politics, and every other part of our lives. We are to be the church. Everywhere, at all times. And we should not allow others to dictate where and when we can practice our faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's happening, people. It may not be happening as much here in America, but in other places it is happening where they are telling people where and when they can practice their faith. God help us if we allow that to happen here in America. If you only practice your faith here in these four walls or or maybe in your home, 
if you only practice your faith while you are with the church, you might want to rethink how you're living your life. Think about that, please. If you're only practicing your faith when you are with others who believe the same way that you believe, you might want to ask yourself, why am I doing that? Why am I not allowing my faith to be seen by others in, in these other places? Why is my faith not influencing me and maybe even influencing other people around me? Are you being the church? Secondly, we are a part of the church as a whole, the totality of all congregations around the world. Now, the church in this sense, again, it's not just here in Aberdeen or here in America. It's everywhere. There are Christians, followers of Christ, represented in almost every nation, tongue. Almost. You and I may not be able to go to these places, but we can send others or we can send funds to these different places so that other people can hear about the gospel. That is a part of being the church everywhere. Thirdly, we are an assembly. We are a gathering of persons for a purpose. And again, that word is very important. Part of that purpose is the worship practices that we just talked about. Being in settings where we can sing together, learn together, pray together, interact together, like in life groups or other group activities, as well as sharing our faith. These are all a part of being a part of the purpose of why we come together. You know, veterans are kind of like a church. They really are. Veterans, no matter what branch of service they belong to, are all a part of the overall military. Similar to how no matter what church individuals may be a part of, they are a part of the church as a whole. We are all a part of the church of Christ. Now stay with me. Like a church congregation, that first definition we looked at, each branch of the military is made up of individuals with leaders who conform to a standard. They have to conform to a standard. And they each have their own way of doing things, don't they? Just like a church can be just a little bit different, each branch of the military is different from the rest. There's a reason for that. Secondly, like a church, the totality of all congregations, veterans can encompass the totality of everyone who is a part of the military for the United States of America. Even though, again, they belong to different branches, they encompass the whole of the military. And thirdly, like an assembly, a gathering of persons for a purpose, veterans all serve with a purpose to protect this great country. That is their purpose. They joined forces, each branch, doing what they were designed to do for a common cause, a common purpose. And you know what? If, if they are not working together, if the different branches do not work together, if they do not perform their functions that they were designed to do, it doesn't work, does it? The mission could be sabotaged. The mission may not be accomplished if they don't do what they were designed to do together. 
Guess what, church? The same is with us. If we don't do what God designed each and every one of us to do in the church, his mission could be sabotaged. His mission to reach the lost, his mission to bring people back into a relationship with him might not happen if we, the church, are not working together. And not just, again, this body of believers, but churches around the world. Individuals, groups of people around the world have to work together to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. We have to do that. I am thankful for your service. I already said that. I think we as a congregation are also thankful for your service and we thank you. There is not, we could not say it enough how much we are grateful for what you have done for us. You know, I really don't believe that there are many, if any, people who have joined the military because they wanted to be acknowledged. Maybe, maybe it's happened, I don't know to be applauded, to be recognized. But there might be some who have served, maybe some who have served expecting something in return. I don't know. It's possible. Why? Because we're human. (laughs) We're not perfect, are we? Why do I say that? Most people, I think, would join the military to serve their country because they want to serve, not to be recognized. Why do I say that? Because as some of you know, more than the rest of us, it can be a thankless job, can't it? Serving your country. As I said earlier, some people can even look down on those who serve, who protect them, and who at times lay down their lives for them to have the freedom to have their opinions. It's a thankless job. Now, how can we relate this to being the church? I was at a conference once where a speaker made this statement regarding those who serve in the church. And I think there was a correlation between the military and and the church. They said this, people who serve with expectations of getting something in return often leave the church frustrated because they never learn to serve with expecting nothing in return. I'm going to say it again. People who serve with expectations of getting something in return often leave the church frustrated because they never learn to serve with expecting nothing in return. And when I heard that, I was like, "Eh." yeah, I can see that. I can see that happening. Now, looking at the three definitions of the church, how, how might this fit? Well, I don't know that, th- that this has ever happened in our congregation. I don't know that this has ever happened in our assembly. But it's possible, because again of our human nature, that it has happened in the church in general, the totality of the church. You might be wondering, why do I bring this up? If I don't think it's happened here, why why do I even bring it up? I bring it up because hopefully it never will. 
Hopefully it will never happen. Hopefully by bringing it to our attention, including for myself, hopefully we will never serve the church expecting something in return, but rather to serve the church simply because God has called us to serve. That's being the church. Hopefully you and I will serve God's church simply because he asks us to. Because he expects us to serve. Because when you and I, when we serve the church, the people, God's people, it gives us a sense of ownership, doesn't it? It gives us a sense of connection with one another, a connection with whatever the purpose is of the church. What God is doing, what the church is doing. Again, it's a part of being the church. So, what does God expect from the church? What does God expect from his people? I think that there are at least three things that I found. In Romans 12:1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So it's very simple. We are to be living sacrifices, giving all of ourselves all the time to God. There is no vacation, if you will. There is no day off from being the church. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says this. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? We are to give, again, all of ourselves for God's kingdom. We should not allow ourselves to be used to dishonor his kingdom, his church. And then the last one I have is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for, you, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. We're not our own anymore. Jesus bought us with his blood on the cross. And when we give our lives to him, we give our lives to him. We give everything to him so that he is glorified so that he is lifted up, that he is honored. When we accepted Christ into our lives, we accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And when that happened, God says that we are now his. We belong to him. In the beginning of the message, I read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I, I want to read something, just a few verses before that. Second, in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says this. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. 
Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Are you kind of getting the, that, that, that picture in your mind of what this is looking like? Living stones being built into the spiritual temple, offering up ourselves, offering up sacrifices. He's talking about offering ourselves to God to do with as he pleases so that we can be the church. Being the church means recognizing that we are not our own anymore. It means recognizing that I now belong to God. I am his, and he has all authority over my life. Now, let me just say this. Some people may may hear that and say, I don't want that. I want to be my own person. I want to be my own authority. You know, I've listened to a lot of people over the years, and I've, I've listened to them as they shared their story of how alcohol or, or drugs, these different addictions, how they have controlled their lives. And I asked them, so how was it when you had so much freedom? How was it when you were the boss of your life? Were you really free? Every time. Every time they give the same answer. And that answer is no. They're not, they were never free. When they were addicted to that drug, to that alcohol, whatever it was, they weren't free. They were in bondage to that thing. That thing controlled their lives. If you want freedom, like Pastor said earlier, you have to give your life to God. Because only then will you actually have true freedom. I'm glad somebody agreed with that. (laughs) Only Only when we give our lives to God do we have true freedom. Being the church means giving of ourselves to God and his church. Are we doing that? Are we giving ourselves to him? Are we giving ourselves to his church, his people? Are we allowing him to use us? Being the church means honoring God with all that I have. That's everything. (laughs) All kind of means everything, doesn't it? Am I honoring God with all that I have? Being the church means being an active part of a local congregation. Now, you're here today, and that's good. Are you active? Ooh, wait a minute. Um, I thought just being here was being active. Not really. You show it up. We're grateful. God's grateful. But you don't get bonus points just for showing up. Are you being active in the church? Being the church means supporting the church around the world. We do that when we give our, uh, an offering to, the, to missionaries, when we give an offering to spread the gospel. We are doing that. We're being a part of supporting the church around the world. 
Being the church means gathering together with other believers in Christ for a purpose. And that purpose includes worshiping together, praying together, serving together, interacting together in different settings, taking communion together, being baptized. Again, like next Sunday, we're going to be be baptizing a number of people. If you have not been baptized in water and you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you are not being baptized, you are in disobedience. I'm just telling you like it is. Jesus said, follow my example. If you have not been baptized in water, you need to talk to one of the pastors today. Follow God, follow Jesus' example. Follow his commandment to be baptized in water. Amen. I hope you're getting a picture of what it means to be the church. Are we being the church? When I looked up the definition of a verb, because being is a verb, it said it's, it's a, a part of speech that expresses existence, action, and a state of being. Also, the word being is in the present tense, meaning now, not last week, not just into the future, but right now. Are we being the church? And there really is no end to being the church, is there? Being is continual. It doesn't stop until we either pass away or Christ comes to take us home. We are to continually be the church. Now, if you haven't pulled your feet up close yet, uh, you might want to because I'm going to step on some toes here. Okay? There is a difference, again, between showing up and being the church. There's a difference. When you are being the church, you are connected or connecting with the church, with God's people. When you are being the church, you are not, hold on, you're not showing up late and you're not leaving early. There. That wasn't so bad, was it? When you're being the church, you're not showing up late and you're not leaving early. Because being the church means being connected to God's people. Being an active part of what is going on. I saw a great example of being the church this past Wednesday. Uh, Myself, our son Austin and, and Nathan Wildman, we went to Harriet, South Dakota, uh, to the church. Yes, we went to the building, but it wasn't really just the building, was it? Leo and Ruthie were there as well. The church in Harriet, again, the people, not the building, for 40 years, I believe it has been 40 years, they have been butchering hogs and cows and sending that meat down to the children's homes and the un- home for unwed mothers down in Arkansas. 40 years. They give them enough meat to feed all of those people for an entire year. That's a lot of meat. I think it was 30 hogs and nine cows we did. It's a lot of meat. 
But during the lunch break, the, the director of the, of the Hillcrest home, he thanked us for our help. He thanked us for doing something for kids who couldn't do it for themselves. I was like, that's good. I got to use that on Sunday. He thanked us for doing something for kids who couldn't do something themselves. They couldn't do it for themselves. That is being the church. When you are able to do something for someone else that they cannot do for themselves, that's a part of being the church. So, how are we doing at being the church? How are we doing at being the church? Let's make it more personal. How are you doing at being the church? As we were going through these different aspects of being the church, were there some things that the Holy Spirit kind of pricked your heart and said, um, you know what? This might need a little bit of work. You might want to focus in on this aspect a little bit more if you're going to be the church. We talked about our purpose. We, we talked about you know, how it includes our worship practices, you know, you know, coming together, singing together, learning together, praying together, helping one another, interacting with one another. Many different things. How are we doing in those things? Being the church means taking advantage of these times, taking advantage of, of the opportunities to be together, to worship together, to help one another. Sacrificing sometimes for God's church, God's people. And expecting nothing in return. Expecting nothing in return. Are we being the church? Are you being the church? These are, are, are again, just, just some things that, that we can do while we are being the church. Live in our lives so that others can see Christ in us. Do they see Christ in us? Do they see Christ in you wherever you are, school, job, whatever? Do they recognize that there's something different about you? Are you being the church? I want to challenge all of us to be the church. To be the church. To not allow where we're at, who we're with, what we're doing, to change who we are. Because if we are truly going to be the church, we have to do that 24-7. We have to. If we're going to be able to speak into people's lives, if we're going to be able to say, hey, I know someone who can help you with your issue, with your problem, with your, your marriage, with your whatever, but we have to be the church. 
Would you stand with me this morning? I'm just going to say a closing prayer today. Again, these, are, these altars are always open if you want to come and pray, but I just want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to be the church. Are we being the church? Are we doing what God has called us to do as individuals, as a group of believers? Are we being the church? Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that it challenges us, that maybe it pricks our hearts and reveals things to us that need to change if we are going to be the church. God, as we leave this building, may we understand that we go out, the church goes out with us. The church does not remain here. When your people leave, the church leaves with them. God, as we go to our jobs, businesses, schools, whatever it may be, help us to be the church. I thank you. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be the church.